Hey gang, welcome to the Digital Utopia podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Frank Cowell. I'm joined by my co-host, Joseph Freeman. Joe, so we're continuing our theme of getting hyper-specific. It's one of our core philosophies, by the way. We're getting hyper-specific on these shows, and we're addressing one question at a time, which I'm super excited about. Our last episode, we were actually able to have a really deep conversation around one question. So I'm excited about what this episode's going to bring. Yes, me too. So the question of the day is who owns RevOps? And we talked a little bit about this on a previous episode, and we're going to address that as well. Um, but, but there's kind of a big question mark here because RevOps really is an emerging term. It's, it's not necessarily a brand new concept, but people are starting to talk about it in a way that is a little bit more cohesive. Yeah, right? it's, it's becoming a unique business function, just mm -hmm. like the core functions you already have in your business of marketing, sales, operations, admin, and finance. Right. Right. Those are the core business functions. It's truly becoming its own business function. It is. And, and now more than ever, you have the data to support it, right? You, you, most companies have some sort of analytics plus, so they've got a lot of data coming in. Maybe they don't know what to do with it, but it's coming in. It's being stored somewhere. Uh, there's software to connect the dots between the, yeah. you know, across the whole lifecycle stage of a client. And so now is the time to really be uh, jumping in. If you haven't already explored what RevOps is, you really need to do your homework. You need to ch check it out. And today we're going to talk about who owns RevOps. Yeah. Okay? Um, recently, there was a report that came out from Lean Data and Sales Hacker, um, and they gave us some interesting numbers. They had sent out a poll and asked companies, I think they had 2,462, I don't think that, I'm reading it, I'm literally reading it, 2,462 participants in the survey. Uh, and these, these participants kind of outlined who at their company was owning RevOps, right? Yeah. So let's break this down. Let's talk about the numbers here. Yeah. Uh, the state of revenue operations is, uh, the re is what it is, right? So if, you, if you're here today and you're listening, you, if you wanted to look it up, it's called state of revenue operations. So what's interesting is I kind of look at this um, report and the finding on this particular question. And while they identify, let's call it seven different groups, I kind of see it as three buckets. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about it today in those three buckets. And so the first bucket that is the biggest bucket of respondents was 26%-ish, uh, identified this, the chief revenue op officer or CRO as being the owner of RevOps or revenue operations within the business. And I think if we look at this, um, I don't think that's too surprising you know, to see that the, you know, CRO, CRO owns revenue operations. I think in these businesses, when you do have someone owning this, I think the, the interesting thing is this person definitely needs to be the strategic leader, but I wouldn't expect this role to be the um, tactical execution person, right? And so this person is going to be heavy on strategy and heavy on analysis. Mm. In some organizations, it's purely analysis, right? And they just deliver that data and information. It's, it's really more of an analyst role. But I think if you look into doing revenue operations right, analysis and the analyst function is critical, but there's a go-to-market, there's a, a um, now do something with the bottleneck that you've discovered and that doing something, that strategy is a critical component. It isn't enough to just say, hey, I've got this really interesting slice of data that I've been able to find and share that. This role really needs to kind of do more than that. And they need to 
drive strategic direction on what to do with that. Yeah. Now, the data here doesn't break down to you know say exactly what types of companies were pulled, but my guess is if a quarter of the companies say it's their CRO, that these are some pretty big companies because big, a CRO companies. is really, I think, has been viewed as a nice to have for a lot of companies. And we're talking about a salary range that is already pretty high for a CRO. And on top of that, you then have to spend money on software and implementation, like you just said. And so the the entire function becomes pretty expensive. Yeah. So my guess is that these are probably enterprise level companies who are reporting that a CRO truly owns their RevOps. And good for them, because that's actually kind of the mecca. That's where you want to land at some point, right? That's necessary. And you, you mentioned something I think it's important to note. Is that you know whenever you're ready to establish a the leader of a given function in your business, maybe you're you're growing and you're just now ready to define a head of admin, right? Mm-hmm. We, we call that head of culture. What if you're ready to now just define uh, a head of marketing for the first time? It's important to know when you're ready to to place these heads that 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 opens Pandora's box. You know, your investment in that one person is just the beginning because by definition, by default. Someone who's at that level who can drive strategic thinking of an area and strategic decision making area, by default, they're also not the the doer. They're mm-hmm. not the executioner. And so you you the moment you place them, you, you might as well double the investment or triple the investment because there are going to be, as you mentioned, there's going to be softwares, there's going to be vendors, there are going to be hires that you make. There are going to be things that have to happen as a result of what this person does. In fact, it's one of the worst things you can do is hire ahead of one of these functions and then not give them an additional budget to do these things like software and hires and work with outside mm-hmm. outside firms and whatnot. Uh, because they just they're not going to be able to do both. They're gonna be able to you know be strategic and execute at the same time. So if you're at the level where you are ready to hire a CRO, then then good for you. That's awesome. I think you know, a lot of what we talk about on the show might not be quite for you, even though there's a lot of strategies and a lot of philosophies that you should adopt. And if you're a CRO, you should be listening to us because <laughs> exactly we think we know what we're talking about. Well, especially because but, of the point we just made that, or I just made that this person largely is an analyst in many firms, but right. they need to start picking up the strategy chops. Yeah. So let's move on to the next uh, couple of numbers that we have here. So we have the CEO and the COO. They are separate metrics here. We have one at about 20% and one at about 17%. But I think for the purpose of this conversation, we're going to lump them together because CEO and COO at, you know, a a five to $20 million business, um, while they could be two separate roles in a lot of businesses, they serve overlapping functions. Even if they are two separate roles, if you look at the sentiment of what's happening when one of those two is owning it, it's the same sentiment. Mm -hmm. It's a five to $20 million kind of, kind of company. Those numbers aren't meant to be exactly those, but the sentiment is around that size company, whether one owns it or the other owns it, uh, they're not at a size where they, they can have a separate CRO. Gen- right. generally speaking. And right. so when we look at that, I think one of the interesting things to point out on this report is there's a CFO at around 11% and change. Mm-hmm. And I, I have an interesting takeaway here. I think what ends up happening is at that size where the CEO slash COO owns the RevOps function, they start to realize, oh, this is a thing. Like bringing marketing sales and service together and aligning them on their process, aligning them on their platform and aligning the functions that's like a whole thing above and beyond how I'm used to managing the business. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes overwhelming, which is why people hire CROs. But at this level, one, you're probably not ready for that investment. And two, I don't think you should 
uh, farm this out beyond the CEO, COO function at this point. I think that those roles need to stay really close to this. Well, I think that's a good point. Really close. It's those people that have generally been with the company from the start or from the, you know, close to the start. So they know the customers well. Yeah. They know the numbers well. They know the nuances and they know what's implied. The differentiation in the marketplace, all that stuff. Right. So it is really probably important that these people stay kind of at the head, but they probably need help. They need help. And that's why, that's my prediction, why we're seeing the CFO own it in some cases. Mm -hmm. Because what ends up happening is they realize it's a ton of work. And so in those cases, I, I, I kind of see that as being, I don't want to say pawned off, but kind of pawned off to the CFO because it is overwhelming. Now, here's what I would suggest to you is I've come across a lot of really great CFOs in my time, but CFOs t- typically take a reductionist approach to the financials, meaning where can they cut? Mm-hmm. And the good CFOs the really strong CFOs take an expansionist visionary approach. How can we expand? And so in my opinion, the danger in just giving this fully to your CFO is that they will take a reductionist approach and not look to see where you can step on the gas. And here's another thing. They're, they're probably missing um, some sales acumen in terms of like how to make a sale, right? They're probably missing some marketing strategy Absolutely, and tactics. Yeah. They don't know how to do that, right? Their numbers and their their analysis. Um, and they're certainly, well, in my experience, they're certainly missing some of the delight elements, right? Some of the magic that you need to make a customer experience what it should be to get them to a fan. A CFO is just not really built for that. They're built for the numbers and the logic and really making sure that everything is dialed in. But there's a lot of in between that needs to happen from a revenue operations standpoint to make sure that customers are moving through. I think you bring up a really great point. In fact, what's coming to mind for me right now as you say that is I almost think that when when this is kind of given to the CFO, it's almost like a um, poor man's CRO approach, right? Mm. It's it's like that, well, we, we really can't afford a, a separate higher CRO. So we've got one in our CFO. And while they can do the analysis part, they for sure can't, especially good ones. They'll slice and dice the data and show you things about uh, your data that you didn't know before. And that's good. Like a strong CFO will do that. And but, you have to have that. I mean, that's certainly that. part of RevOps. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But the part they're going to miss is then uh, the strategy on how you're going to go to market and address those bottlenecks and those opportunities, how you're going to create delight, how you're going to create that magic, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, how you're mm-hmm. going to create alignment for that customer experience. That's the part that will be absolutely sorely missing but but i do think in your organization if you if you know you can't afford to hire additional people to help even outside firms um the cfo can be a partner but don't farm it fully out to that person mm-hmm. make sure they have marching orders that they're going to provide analysis across the entire customer lifecycle and they're responsible for gathering that data and exposing it in near time getting it dashboarded but they are not the strategic lead on that. Right. In, if you're at that size, CEO, COO still needs to be the strategic lead. And if you need help knowing what to do and what the ideas are and how to engage on those bottlenecks and opportunities, that's where you might work with an outside firm and start to 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 bring those those talents and skills. Bring in some more strategy, table. bring in some more implementation. Correct. Uh, yes, the analysis can be done probably in-house at that point. But um, yeah, that's a great point. So CROs was about 26%. We group CEOs and COOs to combine uh, into about 37%. CFOs represent 11-ish percent on this report. And then there's one other group here, right? It's the 
it's the CSOs, so the sales team, the CMOs, the marketing team, and this other kind of, well, it says other, um, which represent collectively about 25% of this, yeah. this data here. So what about this other section, sales team and marketing team? What do you think about that? Yeah, before I talk about that, just to recap what we said, you add those three together, you get about 48% uh-huh. if you add the CFO in there. I kind of think that's one general group and they're handling it in different ways. No, you're putting CFO in with this third group. Of no, no, others. no, with the previous group. I, oh, what I'm it. saying is if you add those okay. together, you get 48%. And to me, I think it's kind of the same group and they're just choosing to handle it different ways. Oh, right, in, right, right. In one, one scenario, it's the CEO, 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 CFO. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, as we mentioned, just to emphasize, this is probably where the bulk of our audience is at, is you're in that group. So we're going to recap this you know, when we get back, but I just want to point that out. That That's close to half of the respondents are in that area where they're trying to figure out like hot potato, who's supposed to do mm, this, right? That's a good point. And then the other part of the hot potato is what you just pointed out. There's the kind of just this other, that's other sales and marketing, and that's 25%. And I think that's really indicative of the smaller companies um, who really, you know, you can't afford to hire anyone else. Everyone's stretched thin. And these functions look and smell like they're supposed to be doing some of the things that are talked about tactically when it comes to RevOps. Because a lot of the, frankly, a lot of the skills happen to fall in marketing. Well, they happen to they fall in They definitely do, yeah, right? A lot of your tactical things you're supposed to do are in there. To really operationalize it, like, well, to, to analyze it, CFO is great for that. Even the CEO and COO are great for that because they're really close to the business. To operationalize actually doing the tactics, it's definitely more on the marketing side of the house, at least in terms of who innately has those skills. And we've even mentioned that, I think, on previous yeah. episodes that, Small businesses, it's likely that your marketing team or marketing person is going to take a, a huge hand in leading this potentially. Um, it, it's not the best option because there's a whole bunch more that goes into it than just sending out emails and uh, automating workflows. And social and, ads. And- right. There's a lot more than that, right? But, um, but certainly those are a skill set that, that has to be there if you're going to truly operationalize this, this you know, revenue conversation. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. Is even when an organization, and I would encourage the CROs, you know, that are probably more analytical in nature as they start to adopt more strategy, mm-hmm. making friends with the head of marketing, the head of sales, the head of service, the head of operations, right? Mm-hmm. Like making friends with those people and really digging into their capabilities because those capabilities need to be leveraged, especially the marketing team, mm-hmm. because who's going to do research? area and the company is used to doing research marketing okay who's going to do list segmentation now to start to figure out how we can address this bottleneck well who's used to doing list segmentation marketing okay who's going to develop an offer and a message and a go-to-market marketing right so you're going to lean on your marketing team at no matter what size you're going to lean on your marketing team a lot because just the the, the tactical implementation it, it happens to land in their area where they're the ones who roll up their sleeves and implement a lot of the things they take advantage of their skills i should say more so than any other area well and i want to stop you right there because that hits on what i think is one of the biggest themes in revops is you know the question of the hour is who owns revops and there should be somebody who owns it in terms of making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing but the reality is is the entire company needs to be involved in RevOps. Everybody has a role to play and everybody needs to understand what's going on at every single step of the way so that that client experience is what it should be so that on the other end of it, you can be, you know, pumping out the dollars in a very predictable way. Yeah. I mean, if we just get to the, the very basic sentiment of it, 
you create that alignment so that way at the end you have that kind of flywheel you kind of have that like feedback mechanism built into the business to where it kind of helps you build upon itself and you can't get to that build upon itself point if you don't have momentum you can't create momentum if you don't have everyone aligned on the same page and joining in on the cause you just it's not going to happen yeah it's everybody so today's world is way too chaotic way too hectic you and your team just deals with way too much information mm -hmm. way too many tools you you have no choice today but to tame the beast that is the technology the information and and you know the 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 competitors that pop up on the scene every day and all the things you have to deal with right so while everyone has to be involved we still need to answer the question who owns revops right and so we talked about these three big groups the, the CRO the chief revenue officer we talked about the CEO COO CFO group correct right and then the other group which was uh sales marketing and and other right who should own it? Okay, so let's break those. Let's actually go with those three groups, and and I think we should make a suggestion. Uh, even oh, let's let's even be open to having our listeners challenge us on this recommendation here. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we're still very early in this conversation of revenue operations. That um, it might as well be us who helps make a suggestion and start going with it and see how it works for you. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly we work with a lot of organizations and, and deal with a lot of executives to, to be able to make this kind of recommendation. So I'm going to suggest that at the CRO level, you need to be about 20 million plus. Even to afford that, that role. To afford it. And some companies maybe at 10 million might afford this, right? They might mm -hmm. afford it. But I would suggest that until you get to that point, the the next crowd we're going to talk about really needs to be more closely involved in truly owning it. Mm -hmm. Because before you start to give this up to somebody else, you want to have a history of having it dialed in and know what works and what doesn't work. Mm. You need to know that about your business. Right. And I would suggest that you know, for any area that you're going to uh, bring in new talent, a new head of X. You should you should know what works. You should have a good sense of what the general direction is. Now, if you're going to hire someone in who's like the rock star, the guru, and they're going to tell you because they've been there, done that, that's fine. Just know, just because they've done that before, doesn't mean they're going to have the same success in your business uh, th the next time. And just know it's a gamble. It always is a gamble. I can't tell you how many companies I've come across where they hire the the rock star head of sales and they're now ready to graduate to that, and like someone truly owns it. Well, if they haven't figured out like what cranks sales for themselves already, then you're, you're going to, it's going to be a gamble, even if that person has a great track record, because you're inserting them into a new situation, new product, new situation. Same with CRO, right? Like I sh think you should have a good handle on going through the paces of knowing what works. So 20 million plus, I think that's a good point right around there. Get yourself a dedicated CRO. Mm -hmm. And then they should probably either have a budget for their own staff and their own you know, resources. Or a budget to then work with an outside firm that becomes a consultative guiding partner. Uh, and implementation probably too. Strategy and implementation, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. that person's probably most likely going to be heavy on the analysis, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. So 20 million plus. Then you get to that next group where it needs to be owned by the CEO, COO, and that, that one of those two needs to own it. And that's going to be about your 5 to 20 million mark, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, they need to own it. And when the CFO is in the picture, I think they can be a support to it, but they, I don't think they should own it. I think they're a support and they can provide that financial analysis part. Mm -hmm. And then in that size range, you're probably going to have to either hire some additional people. Most likely your best bet though, is to work with a firm that can bring several skill sets for the same price of, of hiring some additional help. And so that's help with strategy and implementation, as you mentioned.
Plus, a firm brings, you know, all of the experience across many different companies and tried and true strategies. Because at this level, this is not your core focus. You are not staying up all night long learning about RevOps. You are not trying and failing, uh, but a firm would be on your yeah. behalf, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then just the tactical stuff too. There's just, you have to go through the paces on the mm-hmm. tactical stuff mm-hmm. because to your point, like so much of it doesn't work because the market is always shifting. Information's always shifting. Platforms are always shifting. So, so much of it is just needing to go through the paces regularly. It's it's a lot like why they call like a, a doctor's business a practice, mm-hmm. because it's the idea that you're all you know, practicing medicine, that you're always running right. through the paces. Same thing with marketing and, and some of the activities that we're talking about. You have to be running through the paces regularly. Mm-hmm. So that group, five to 20 million uh, owned by the CEO or the COO, or, uh, or if you have, or if you call that role a GM, what, whatever that second in command is, and then use your CFO as a partner to this for the analysis. If you don't really have that kind of CFO relationship and they really don't have time to do this, then the firm can provide both the analysis to strategy and implementation mm-hmm. support. Then we get to that final third group where you're like under 5 million, mm-hmm. still needs to be owned by whoever the head of business is, right? Still needs to be owned by whoever the owner of the business is. But what you're probably most likely going to have to, of these three little sub bullets here, these sub categories, which is sales, marketing, and other, and other, you're probably going to need to lean on marketing the most. I think so. Yeah. Because most of the tactical things you would do, as we mentioned a moment ago, are going to leverage the marketing skill sets for research analysis, segmentation, um, messaging marketers are used to those kinds of activities. And so you're probably going to lean on your marketing department heavily, but if you're the owner of the business, it's you own it really lean and pair up with marketing get alignment with your sales team, right? So, you know, you don't have just you and your marketer like throwing things, shoving things over to sales. Like get on the same page. I would also say at 5 million and below, generally companies don't have enough volume to make it uh, too much for a marketer to handle. Yes. Right? In terms of leads coming in, in terms of qualifieds, in terms of opportunities, the sales and marketing teams, even if it's just one person each or maybe one person total, um, usually not enough volume to overwhelm them at that point. I would also bring up, you bring up a really interesting point I want to remind people of. There isn't enough volume at that size also to where these activities are going to necessarily like hockey stick your business, Mm. right? There's something interesting that happens when you take these same efforts, like you can take the exact same revenue operations effort applied to a $5 million business, but applied to a $10 million business. The $10 million business is going to see much more fruit Mm -hmm. because of leverage. The $10 million business has more clients, it has more awareness, it has more going on. So when you apply these principles and you apply the work, you just get more out of it. That's just the way it is. We, you know, I've seen that as I've run, you know, business management frameworks when I ran that when our business was really small and with the same effort when the business is much bigger, you just get more fruit. It's the same level of effort, right? Like the amount of sweat, so to speak, and the expense is roughly the same, but you just get way more output because you have leverage. Mm -hmm. So don't be discouraged if you're under 5 million, don't be discouraged if you do this and you're like, oh, damn it all the hell. Like we did this and you know, we only had a $50,000 increase to our year, a hundred thousand dollar increase. Celebrate that. That's okay. It's going to, it's going to snowball. It's going to build upon itself. And the longer you do it, the better you'll get. And they're just good muscles to develop because as you have that skill set, as you get to 10 million and 20 million, 
wow, you're going to be an amazing organization. So don't get discouraged. Build those muscles now and go through the paces and be diligent. So hopefully that was helpful today. I really enjoyed this. Who owns RevOps? Glad we could cover that conversation. If you disagree with anything we said, give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Like, subscribe, give us some feedback down below. And we'll talk to you next episode.